Hello and good morning. Thank you for tuning in on another School of Nursing episode. This is episode number three and today uh, we have the privilege of talking to a fourth year student. So one of your own in fact. Um, my name is Lisa. I am a nursing instructor and I'm going to be the one hosting this interview today. Um, and our guest, her name is Tamara. So welcome Tamara. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. So I think we're just going to jump right into it. So you are currently in your going into your preceptorship, correct? Yes, I am. Okay, so start in September. Start in September. Okay, so we're about a week away from the start of your preceptorship. Yes. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I get that feeling. It's very scary. Um, So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of backtrack here a little bit to what um, to talk about um stress and time management and and study skills and coping mechanisms and all that kind of stuff and then we're going to come back to your preceptorship is that okay yeah that sounds perfect okay awesome so um first of all how generally speaking how has it been as a nursing student generally speaking um it's been a ride (laughs) it's definitely been a roller coaster ride um, definitely some ups and downs. Um, is it what I anticipated when I signed up for this? Kind of. I knew there was going to be a lot of work that needed to be done, but um, I'm the type of person where, as a mature student, I still needed to kind of maintain work to um, have that income coming in. So um, I was kind of expecting to work more than what I wanted, but um, yeah. I made it the first three years and then fourth year, I definitely had to cut way back. So um, it's definitely been like the whole school work-life balance has definitely been a struggle throughout the years, Um, but uh, it's all worth it in the end, right? Um, Uh, We hope so. (laughs) Yeah, last term here. So the light is at at the end of the tunnel. And uh, yeah, but it's been, it's been good and bad. You know, you have your ups and downs, but I mean, just making it through it and making all the friends that you do throughout nursing and, you know, sharing the same kind of career goals and um, everything like that has made it worth it. So it's been good. And the clinical instructors, you know, you meet, you have amazing experiences and opportunities and yeah, it's good. (laughs) <laughs> That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear that. And I do, I totally relate on that roller coaster of experience. I remember, I mean, I was in school 10 years ago, but I still, I still very vividly remember my first clinical day and how horribly nervous I was. And I also remember standing in the closet, in the, the supply closet, because our, our, my instructor had paired us up, had paired the students up. So I was with this one other girl. Her name was Candace. So Candace, if you're listening, I still remember you and I still remember this experience. Um, but we were standing there and the first patient that we were given in long-term care had Gillian Barre, which is, um, I mean, you guys can look it up what Gillian Barre is, but it causes total body paralysis. And it was this young, young guy in long-term care that had Gillian Barre. And I remember being in the supply closet and going... I don't, I don't think I can do this. I think we should just go. I don't even think she would realize we're gone. I think we should just go. That's awesome. Yeah. So I totally relate. I know what it's like being, being on that roller coaster of ups and downs. 
So let's start at your schoolwork. Do you have any suggestions for students that are in their first, second, third, or at, at any point in their studies? Do you have any suggestions for good study habits? Good study habits. Um, <laughs> let's say, what do they say? Like a, one hour of classwork should be three hours of study time outside. Uh, I feel like I've definitely devoted way more than the three hours. Um, I studied every night, honestly, to tell you the truth. Um, to say I had a life is is not telling the truth. Um, I really, I reviewed, like the way I studied was basically I would start with reviewing my class notes that I would make. I'm definitely a note taker and I like to do them by hand. Um, the typing, I don't know. I just feel better when I have like pencil to paper. Um, so I would write notes while I'm in lecture and then I would go ahead and um, take the textbook and do the readings that were required and a little bit more, um, make notes from that. And then I do another set of notes to study with that are kind of more summarized and concise. Um, repetition, repetition is my motto. That's the way I kind of learn is like really rewriting everything. Um, yeah, reviewing right after class, I always didn't have time to do that, but I tried to ensure that I did that throughout the night. Um, weekends, if I wasn't working, I was definitely studying. So that's when I got all kind of my catch up time was on my weekends. Um, what else did I do for studying in school life? Ugh. How did you, what was your strategy? Like you said, repetition for taking notes. And so how did you I guess, organize that in terms of like, did you just do multiple copies or did you have a system of note taking that, that worked well for you? Yeah. So what I did first was honestly, I would read the textbook and like literally do it heading by heading and just go through each, each section and summarize it. And then I would do a second set of notes and really go through like the learning outcomes and then kind of pull my information and see how it fit to that spot, if that makes sense. Um, and then again, I would write like another hard copy, but it would be like a lot nicer. This is where I get the fancy pens out, all the colors, maybe even take the time to draw some pictures and like make it all look really neat. But yeah, that's kind of how I would do work through those. Yeah. I think that's a really great strategy. And I think um, when you talked about summarizing, I think that's a really key word there is that if you can read something and then close the book and summarize it in your head and put that summary down on paper and it's accurate for what you've read, you know that you've understood what you've read. Yeah, for sure. Another thing too, is I always did the, if there was, um, end of the chapter kind of quizzes, mm -hmm. I would always do those too. And I'm the type of person where I need to like, after I summarize and read everything, I need to apply that knowledge. I need to literally find out like where my areas of growth need to be, where I need to focus my studying on and where like, and then determine what's my strengths. So I wouldn't fo go back and focus so much on my strengths because, well, I feel like I was pretty confident in that section. So I would just focus my attention on where it needed to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I said, I think that's a great strategy. Did you did you feel like you had as much prep that you needed to do for things like writing papers or um, you know, assignments or things like that or or how was that process in terms of writing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I'm a work better under stress kind of person. Um, So to sit here and say that I started writing assignments a week ahead of time is definitely a lie. Um, I would do like three to two days beforehand. I don't know why, but I definitely found that I struggled with uh, writing papers. That was my weakness for sure. Like, I don't know what it was like math and science. That's my strong suit. But when it comes to writing, that was always something that gave me a lot of anxiety. And I would literally sit in front of my screen and just have like, I don't know. I was just so intimidated. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like papers scare the crap out of me. But, um, and I also the type of person where I need to have it in order. So like a lot of people can just start in the middle and then go back and do an intro and then, or even start with conclusion or, or that, but I'm the type of person that I need to start with the introduction. Then I need to move on to the next paragraph. Like I cannot start writing in the middle and then hope that I can come up. Like I sit there and I need to start that intro first. So I don't know if that's what maybe caused me a lot of intimidation, but yeah, papers were definitely scary. The researching part was awesome. I don't know. I loved doing that part. I was able to find really good resources and articles. Um, and that was definitely jumping back and forth between CINAHL and also being an AHS employee, you get access to their knowledge resource um, kind of center library thing that they have available for you. So lots of different resources to pull for uh, scholarly articles. Um, sometimes my my uh, weakness was I didn't know when to stop researching because I would find so much good stuff and then I'm really like oh and then it would trigger like an interesting topic and I'm like I need to research this and add this in there you were kind of um, going down the rabbit the rabbit hole every time you'd look something up yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what it's funny it's funny that you talk about the introduction like that because I think um, my husband's doing a bunch of education courses right now. And that was one, like one of his writing courses that actually said that you should be writing the introduction last, um, which I really struggle with as well, because to me, it's like, this is what I want the paper to be about. Um, yeah. But throughout my own courses, my own my own master's courses that I'm taking, I'm learning to start at that first paragraph because I was a horrible, I was awful at writing papers when I was in nursing school. Like I was acing all the quizzes, all the tests, all the clinicals. And then I'd get my papers back and I'd be like fifties or sixties. And I couldn't remember, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing wrong. And, and yeah, so I, I appreciate the frustration that students have around writing papers. Cause I was there as well. Um, but yeah, so one of the actual strategies that he was taught was that if you start with that first paragraph, work your way down and then go back and write the introduction because you don't always know what your paper is going to exactly be about until the content is there. So I, I've i tried that a couple times and it's been okay. But then I feel like I struggle with an introduction because how do you, how do you then write an introduction when you have already written everything? You know what I mean? Like, how do I put it in different words? <laughs> So that I'm not yeah. just saying the exact same thing I have said in the rest of the paper. 
Exactly. It's a weird process. But I, yes, and I appreciate that you work well under pressure. I I have to start much farther in advance. I'm like a couple weeks in advance. And I don't know if that's just because I have a family and, you know, like, and, and I guess all these other balls I have to juggle. But I I think I just, I think I have to start early because I'm afraid that then if I do it wrong or I don't get it or whatever, that I have time to redo it. But I've heard that from multiple students that they work better under pressure. They'll start the night before. Oh my goodness, please don't start the night before. Give yourself like a day or two at least so that if you have to ask questions, (laughs) that you can ask questions. The other thing as an instructor I will give a tip on is to really read your rubric well. Um, To not only read the rubric well, but ask questions about the rubric if you're not clear on how in-depth somebody wants you to go or because like you said, if you're doing all this research, how much of that do you actually include in the paper? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Um, Like another thing too is like there's a difference between the actual outline. So like what they're like kind of guiding you to do. And like you said, looking at that rubric And sometimes like students have a little bit of difficulty finding the rubric just because it's when you go to that drop box and it's kind of like up by the points. So you hit view rubric and sometimes it's uploaded there in a different way than it is outlined on kind of your guide to write the paper. But um, I've definitely like I find a lot of the students in my year as well, like in my cohort, um, a lot of them that I talk to, they definitely are those type of people that, you know, they are getting started on things two, two weeks, one week, like everyone is definitely um, starting the papers a lot earlier than me. Um, And that's another thing that like, I kind of want to I guess talk about and tell other people other students that are going through the program is like try not to compare yourself to others as well you know don't get caught up in that and um, like this is kind of it's a competitive program right but just like focus on yourself and you know if you're doing well and you're you have your own groove and your own system then stick to it don't sit there and start to stress out because someone finished an assignment two weeks before the deadline. You know, there's deadlines for a reason. And as long as you're making that deadline, you're fine. In my opinion, like, I don't know, I couldn't, I couldn't hand in an assignment a week early because my biggest fear was, well, what if we, what if we learned something in lecture that week? You know, it's due on Friday, but we have lecture on Monday and I hear something super important and valuable that I could now incorporate into my paper. Right. So that's why I kind of played it a little bit closer to the deadlines as well. Like three, two days, maybe, yeah, at least two days before and um, would hand things in. And, you know, I relate with you too, Lisa, like, I would ace everything else. And when it came to papers, I always knew. And it was like, I don't know if it was a mindset, like I already like tricked myself where I'm like, you know, Tamara, you suck at papers. This is going to be bad. But, you know, somehow I pulled through and, you know, it is what it is. As long as you, I'm not going to say just as long as you pass, but if you're still maintaining a grade that you set out for yourself and that you wanted to achieve, then you're golden. (laughs) Absolutely. And there are so many resources to help too. You know, like I have known students that have really, really struggled, like as an instructor that I've had students that have really struggled writing papers. 
And they have come to me and said, how could I have made this better? And I think just taking that learning opportunity and saying, oh, you know, these are the parts that you can improve on. Maybe you weren't really clear in your wording or, you know, when you say things like this, I need you to expand on it so that I understand what you're talking about. So I think just using those resources as well, that if it's a skill that you think that you can improve on or you think that you're weak in, that there's opportunity there to you know, th that there are resources from the college and from your instructors or from your, your peers as well, right? Yes. In terms exactly. of like writing and things like that. So how did you, and, and because I know that this will come up at some point for everybody throughout their nursing studies, is how did you manage either difficult or um, really high instructor expectations? Yeah, um, honestly, I think it's, you know, being well prepared is, uh, is the biggest thing, like, um, showing that you're putting in the effort and doing your part, not just like, let's say clinical, for example, like this is kind of what I think of, um, because sometimes you don't really know your clinical, um, instructor's expectations. Um, and you're often left guessing like, oh, like, I don't know where I'm sitting at. Like, I don't know how they feel. I can't read them, but, I honestly feel like if you're coming well prepared, you're taking initiative, um, you're showing that you're you're willing, like you're there to learn, and uh, and that your instructors are there to really help with the success of the students. Right? They're the help there to guide you, um, assist you, support you in any way. So, really reaching out to them when you know. Um, you might feel a little off about something like, hey, can I have a little bit of clarification on this? Like, what are your expectations? Um, you know, getting that feedback as well, like doing those midterm evaluations and ENP stuff like those were awesome for feedback because then it allowed you to to kind of know where you were at and where you want to go and implement strategies to get you there. Right. Um, but like lecture lecture wise or small group or lab honestly it's just reaching out and getting that feedback in lab in the moment um i think that was the best thing like the instructors are like always available pretty much like i've never had a time where anybody hasn't been available and it has like affected my learning or my success in the course if that if that uh, makes sense so yeah, that's, I guess that's kind of what I have to say. Just be prepared, like be confident. That's something I also kind of struggled with. I found, um, especially when it came to clinical, was that self-confidence. And I think with time that grows with experience as well, but um, just having, yeah, confidence in yourself. And I guess another thing is accepting that you're not gonna know everything. Like this is a lot of content. Um, a lot of material and like we're constant, constantly learning and developing and changing. So you really got to go with the flow and be able to roll with diversity. And um, yeah, like really, yeah, not knowing that you're going to know everything, except that really do because it's hard not to because you do want to be prepared, but just be prepared as much as you can. Yeah. I think that's a really good combination that you've talked about in terms of being prepared, but still being aware that you're not going to know everything. And that's totally fine. And, and the expectation is not that you know everything. 
right? The expectation is that you are coming prepared and you've thought about it and you've put some effort into it. And then, okay, how can we build on this now? Right. So either how can we build on this or where are the gaps that we can help you with or, you know, how do we get you into opportunities that are going to further your learning and challenge you and and things like that. So I think that's a really good pairing there as well. And I think keep in mind, like for the students that are listening, keep in mind that the school is hard, right? Like nursing is hard. The job is hard. So you know, everything that you're learning, even though you might not feel like you have everything memorized, you still are learning the skills that you need in order to function in this job. So, you know, you might come out of a semester thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't learn anything, or I already knew everything we learned, or whatever the case is, but your learning might actually be on a much deeper level, right? It might be on connecting with people, it might be on communicating with people, it might be on, you know, recognizing your own bias, it might be on, you know, there's a lot of different ways that learning takes place. And so I think just to realize that too, is that it's not always a checklist. It's not always as easy as a checklist of things that, that you learn and don't learn. Okay, so how throughout your schooling so far have you maintained, um, I was going to say, any sort of work-life balance? I always think this work-life balance is a little bit of a laugh because it's like, how do you ever, how do you ever maintain balance? I think sometimes in life, it's like, you know, this aspect of your life takes up more and then the other aspect of your life takes up more. But just because we're talking about work-life balance and things like self-care, how have you managed to keep yourself sane, I guess, over the last three and a half years or three years? Yeah. You know, it's funny that I never realized the importance of self-care and uh, time management until I literally started the nursing program. Um, It's funny because I remember looking back at first year and I'm pretty sure we had to write a paper on self-care was one of the topics. And I remember sitting with my husband and I literally was crying. (laughs) And he's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, well, first of all, I have anxiety over writing papers. Second of all, writing a paper about self-care when I don't even actively do (laughs) self-care. I was like, it's the hardest thing ever. How can I write about something that I literally don't do? And uh, he's like, you got this, like just push through it. So honestly, my advice is um, on like finding your group of students for support. That is what has helped me balance kind of school, life, mental health, everything um, throughout this program is just the support of students because those relationships that you make with them are could be for a lifetime. And at that moment and in the moment, those are the people that can really relate to what you're going through and what you're experiencing. You know, your family doesn't truly know how overwhelming and stressful and how much time is actually required in this program. Um, And so, yeah, so with work, like I said, I had to cut down. And if I could recommend anything, Um, is don't try and work full time or um, overwork yourself while you're going to school. And something that I've had to learn, and it seems so simple, but was to honestly say no. Um, And that's not necessarily being selfish, but 
I mean, you need to focus on yourself and make sure that you have enough time to do to do those self-care kind of anything activities. If that's, you know, relaxing at night and taking a bath or if it's going for a walk with a friend, like it could be anything, but it's just something to kind of get your mind off of school. Um, anything. Now, what else have I done? Um, making time for family. Um, I missed out on a lot of family events and I even found around holidays was a hard time because I kind of looked at that time as an opportunity to kind of either catch up or get ahead depending on where I was like, Oh, I'm going to prep and be ready for the next two weeks, you know? But, um, what I've learned kind of coming into my third and fourth year is, is, don't miss out on that time because that's time you can't get back. Right. Um, so yeah. You mean like take your reading breaks, take your Christmas yeah. breaks and actually yeah. take them as a break. Exactly. Yeah. You need it. Trust me. Um, even with, I just fast tracked the program. So um, I think that gets introduced kind of in the second year, they kind of start talking about that. And I, I have heard, I don't know, they were taking it away, they were bringing it back. Um, so if anyone has the opportunity and is kind of considering fast tracking, um, my recommendation to you is, um, I didn't realize how much it work it actually entailed because they kind of just explained to us, like, usually um, if you apply, it'll go on a GPA basis, um, then you can fast track and so and so. Um, so, yeah, so I was in my rural, like my community rural placement from January until April, and then you only get about two weeks off, and then you're going full dive into um, about three months of school. So really only giving me the month of August off until I go back in September for my final preceptorship. I could not work. So I'll just put that out there right now. I literally did not work. And that was something that I struggled with because I haven't really had to rely fully on my student loans just with all the extra payments that I had. So um, my recommendation to you, if you are considering fast tracking, is just know it's very difficult. It's challenging, worth it, but very challenging. I don't think that gets stressed enough when like people just look at it as, oh, I, I just need to get this program done. I want to be that much closer to being done. But um, if you're already struggling with managing kind of workload, school life balance, and all of that kind of thing, I would not recommend doing it. And a lot of people were actually getting uni positions. Um, and I kind of, I kind of sat back and I'm just like, oh my gosh, should I be getting a uni position? How am I going to manage this? Like, I don't want to be behind. Again, I'm sitting here comparing myself when I'm saying not to, but guys, if you can't compare yourself, don't do it, okay? Um, so yeah, I'm like asking advice from everybody and I'm like, am I doing the right thing? But I had a couple of instructors that I talked to kind of suggest to me, don't do it. Um, it is a lot of work fast tracking for those three months of school. Um, don't overwork yourself or burn yourself out, right? Like self-care, self-care, uh, really, yeah, 
I don't know where I'm going to go with this. I think it's just developing your own boundaries and developing your own sense of self-awareness in terms of what your, what your maximum can be in your life. Right. And without taking on too much that you're, you know, that you're still working and still meeting your needs financially and still, you know, being able to do all those things and see your family and, and have a life with, with still being committed to school. So I do understand that's a, that's a really tight line to walk at times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think in general, like the job nursing in particular, if you let it will consume your entire life, right? You know, there are some days, I mean, I'm, I'm still casual at the hospital, but some days they text me, they they send me 11 text messages for shifts. Like it, it never ends. There's always someone that needs help or they need, they need relief or they need something like that. Right. So the job is not all that much different from, from school, I guess, per se, other than you have more of a choice. Um, I do remember I fast tracked my program as well. Um, and I remember having that same feeling of, I just want this program to be done. I just need to be done and I need to be making some money because I'm broke. And (laughs) there are times that I look back and I really wish that I had taken that last summer off. Um, just to, you know, whatever, work a couple days a week or, you know, just have fun and go out in the summer because it really is very time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. That's an excellent point. Take a break. You're Take giving a break. so much great <laughs> advice today, Tamara. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's go back to clinical really quick. So I want to know, yeah. because I'm sure this is something that's, I, I'm, I, I know, I know this is something that stresses students out like crazy is clinical is going into their, either their first clinical rotation or depending on where you're the most nervous to be for me, that was mental health. I was the most nervous to be in mental health. Um, there are students where they are the most nervous to be in the community or they're most nervous to be in acute care. Um, how did you make it through those clinical nerves or those jitters or the fear that surrounded clinical? How did you make it through that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I just had a flashback. I'm trying to think about my clinical. Um, Am I giving you flashbacks? <laughs> yeah, well, because then you brought up mental health, and I can honestly say mental health was probably not my favorite. Um, and you know what? A lot of people just assume mental health is going to be easy. And I think that was the biggest misconception was it's not. It is very challenging in its own way. Mm-hmm. And it was was yeah it was um very different experience for me um but what do i do well preparing okay so i don't know how they work it in the new cohorts but um when i was in like acute one we got our information kind of sent to us and then we would have to go there read the charts and then we would have to prepare Um, So how I prepared for that was I basically just wrote down, obviously, all my medications, um, and then I would write down, like, conditions um, and go through all the pathophysiology myself at home. And, like, I would have so, like, I think I had, like, a five- to seven-page document just listing, like, care. Okay, if I had an NG tube, okay, this is what I would do. Like, I took all my textbooks and kind of laid it all out. Um, did I actually use that while I was in clinical? No, 
but it helped me feel a little bit better. It's not like I was just going to pause and be like, hold on here. I think it's on page five on how I insert an NG tube. Um, it didn't work that way at all. Med cards, like when you do your med cards, those helped a lot. I always kept my med cards on me. Um, aura cards as well. Like in the beginning, when you're kind of just going into long-term long care, and even I think it was a cute one that I had, um, when you're just starting out and fresh and not very confident and just learning those assessments, I always kept my aura cards on me just in case. Um what else? But then eventually you move on and you progress throughout the program and you don't get that um, preparedness. Like they don't tell you what to expect, right? They're kind of preparing you for reality. You know, you're walking in and you don't know what you're getting, right? So you really need to be confident in how you prioritize um, your time management and really kind of um, your plan of care, like what you're doing that day, like what you need to do. Um and I think so, for the first year students listening, that is a, a learned skill. You know, that yes. is not something that we ever expect that students are just going to walk in and be able to to do all these things. That's the scaffolding of your learning, right? Is that over time you are learning how to function and prioritize your care and critically think and do all these things, right? Whereas at first, you're literally just going to be talking to people and getting to know people and doing personal care and, you know, things like that. So... Um, you definitely, you know, don't feel like, well, I mean, I guess every clinical you're going to feel like we're going to throw you in the deep end, but I promise you that's not actually the case. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, I guess I kind of jumped over the whole uh, kind of long-term care experience. I don't know how much I really prepared for that because... It's like the first time you go there, you were kind of just navigating it. That's where I really used my aura cards, but... The difference there is there wasn't such a high turnover. So you were very familiar with the residents that you were working with. Um, and you did some basic med admin that kind of got you a little bit um, started on that, which was nice. Um, but the clinical journals, like I know they, I don't know if they still do it, but I know we had a journal where we were required to basically fill that out after every clinical um, shift and then we would hand it in at the end of the week and then the instructor would kind of go over it and read it and add some points. Um, I loved journaling. Self-reflection was definitely my strong suit and still is, not that it was, not pr uh, past tense there, but um, I definitely found that helped me kind of um, look back and see like not only my progress and my growth, but like um, in the in the moment there, it would just help me like what I needed to do or what I needed to go and find out um, more on like if it was medication administration like go back and go over your meds and just kind of piecing things together just to kind of develop my critical thinking I guess you could say it really helped me there um, and is that that's something I actually carried through throughout all clinicals was I would definitely journal after every day once I would get home right away 
I would write down everything that I did, kind of, even if something interesting happened, how did they kind of react to that situation? You know, like, oh, someone was kind of experiencing respiratory distress. Well, the nurse went ahead and put some O2 on, you know, so I was kind of learning from my reflection of what I was seeing, what I was doing, and kind of just being in that whole atmosphere because um, I know I didn't, they didn't require you to do like a journal or a reflection in mental health or acute one, but actually um, in community, when I was fast tracking, that journal came back and it was in a different way. Like it was definitely more like, okay, you're reflecting, but let's pull in some research aspect into it and back it up with some scientific, like scholarly articles. So it was a little bit of a different format, but it's something that I've done after every clinical that I find really helped prepared me. And not only that, but it helped with the ENP, which is I'm assuming they're still doing as well. But they, it really yeah, helped. yeah, they are still doing the ENP, but it's called something different now. It's a little bit of a different format. It's called the CAT now. Um, so oh. for the students that are wondering what the ENP relates to, it is now called you'll you'll hear that term when you get into clinical rotations. It's called the CAT. Okay. Yeah. So like those journals after every day really helped me pull examples to fill that out. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helped me with clinical too. Um, and honestly, like there, there, I, I remember this so clearly um, and I'll never forget it. I was in uh, Matt or uh, L&D in uh, postpartum for my, when I was fast tracking here for my clinical uh, preceptorship. And I was so nervous. I had Maggie, and if she's listening to this, she'll probably laugh as well. Um, and I'm sitting there, and she's like, okay, Tamara, like, I'm ready to give um, gravel and morphine, okay? And I've done it before, but with a new instructor, they like to see you kind of think through things and why you're doing what and, you know, just watching you and just making sure you're safe. And I'm like, okay. And uh, she's sitting there and she's like, well, why are you drawing up morphine first? And I'm like, um, or she asked me, she's like, what would you draw up first, morphine or gravel within the same syringe? And I'm like, um, morphine. And she's like, well, why? And I'm like, um, I don't know, Maggie. Like, I think it's because, like, I know morphine causes nausea. And, you know, I want the gravel to kick in faster because of, like, um, to not make them nauseous. And she's sitting there and she's just like, you should think again. And I'm like, why am I blanking on this? This is like <laughs> basic knowledge. Like, this is basic med admin. And I'm just like, I don't know, Maggie. And she's like, go wash your hands. And I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, I'll go wash my hands. That sounds and like that, a good idea. <laughs> right? And like, in my head, I wasn't thinking, why is she telling me to wash my hands? Like, oh, yeah, because I'm drawing up meds. Like, I really didn't know. Like, I wasn't in, I was so anxious. And uh, I'm sitting there and washing my hands. And I'm, I'm just thinking, like, it was very calming, actually. And I stopped, I finished, and I looked at her, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Maggie, I am so, I called myself dumb, don't do that, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm so dumb. 
I was like, I know it. And she's like, what? She's like, what? And I'm like, well, why I'm drawing up morphine first is because it's a narcotic. It's a high alert medication. And you want like to be precise with that. And she's like, there you go. And I'm like, seriously, thank you for telling me to wash my hands. And she's like, I knew that would do the trick. You just needed to like, you know, calm down and just like, you, you know, you know, your stuff, right? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, if I can say anything about, you know, the clinical jitters or kind of fear, like, take the time to just, like, wash your hands. Trust me, just wash your hands and just think, like, you know, give yourself that little bit of time to think instead of feeling like you're caught on the spot and you need to, like, just, you know, give an answer right now. Like, you know your stuff. You really do. (laughs) And you know what? I have... I have to say, like, instructors know when students know what they're doing and they just have a moment like that, right? It's It happens to everybody. Sometimes students ask me questions that I 100% should know the answer to. And I kind of look at them sometimes and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that seems to have vacated my brain for the minute. <laughs> like, let's go look it up together. I can't remember, you know, or sometimes it's these silly, silly things that just that just give you these these moments but you're not dumb for all those students you're not dumb it's totally normal it's totally normal to be stressed in clinical it's totally normal to feel like you want to run off the unit and and leave and never come back that's totally normal but you have to think like you can do this i think i think that's been one of the things that that i have really been verbal with with the students is that you can do this this is possible it's going to be scary Cause you're in a new place and you're, I remember going in and being so afraid of the staff. The staff is going to hate me. You know, I remember thinking that and, and as a staff member, I don't hate the students, you know, like it's just, you just don't know. It's, it's fear of the unknown. You don't know what you're getting yourself into. You probably will have a tough or difficult or frustrating clinical experience almost every semester. That's just the nature of the beast. I remember, and I was going to say, maybe I shouldn't say that mental health was my was my most nervous semester. It was definitely labor and delivery. I, I wanted nothing to do with babies coming out of people. Like there, and, and so that clinical rotation, I remember being by far the most stressful I was in for sure. And, uh. Yeah, there, there's been a couple interesting experiences that I can remember, but just the, of that, of that like imposter syndrome, why am I here? I don't know what I'm talking about. That's the point though, right? Is that you're there to learn. And as long as your prep is done and you're working hard and you're, you're ready to be there and ready to take care of your patient, then you'll be good. All the skills I think that, that students build up in terms of like IV initiation and NG insertion and all of these things are really, anybody can learn to do that. You know, it's, they're just skills. It's just, it's like anything, right? It's like tying your shoes. Anybody can learn how to do that. It's not, it's, I think the magic of nursing comes in the soft skills, right? It's how you talk to people and how you, how you incorporate education strategies into your care and how you advocate and how you, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's where a lot of the strength comes from in nursing and what makes someone a good nurse. For sure. Also knowing how to read a room, I found was a big thing and like really um, assessing like nonverbal cues, Um, especially just like with patients, the way that they're feeling, especially in overwhelming uh, situations, you know, like 
um, depending if they just found out something new about a health condition or, you know, they're experiencing, I don't, I'm not sure, like a loss or something, for example, like, I know as students, we, we sit here and have all this information in our heads and we just want to share it. We just want to show that we know and also educate and just teach and share. But sometimes it can be very overwhelming if we're, if you're just bombarding patients with um, education, I find like just really watch them and just kind of read it and get your instincts going. I don't know if that's something you kind of develop like this, this instinct on how you read the environment, but it's definitely something I've, I've learned the past couple of years that has really helped me as well. I think it's just meeting the patient where they're at. Right. And, and sometimes the patient is, you know, I had this patient a couple of weeks ago in the unit that was totally happy to learn all about his telemetry rhythm and what his heart was doing and what the waveforms meant and all of these things. He was so happy to learn all of that. He was like in a good headspace. And then I have people that do not even care what pills they're on, right? So you're, you just really have to meet the patient where they're at, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, it's funny how you mentioned that story. It just jogged my memory. Um, how you said some patients just don't care about medications. Um, some patients as well are going to get annoyed that you're a student and you're asking them their name and their date of birth for the 50th time, but you know, you're new and you need to follow that. Right. Um, so having a little bit of a, being able to take how do I say a that? Thick skin. You got to have a thick skin, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say have a backbone, but I don't want to, I don't want to sound rude or anything, but like you are going to have patients that are going to make you want to cry. I'll tell you that. And like, nurses. Rude. Yeah. And nurses. Like, and yeah. Yeah. You just really have to just, I don't know, just go with it. Like, you know, reflect afterwards and just realize tomorrow's a new day and start fresh. Mm -hmm. So, and really, yeah. I think, I think a lot of those experiences, I think if we really look at the experience when things like that happen, most of the time, it's not about you, right? It's not about the student. It's not about, there is something either that's going on with the patient or with the nurse or do you know what I mean? It very rarely is about the student. Occasionally it is, yeah. but not often. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. you just have to say, oh, well, this person's having a bad day. Let's move on. Like I, I worked with a, an instructor a couple of years ago that she always used to say, I don't want to hear the hurt feelings report. And so even though that sounds really harsh, it's just developing that ability to, to manage those things. You know what I mean? And of course, if someone's ever, you know, inappropriate or, or, you know what I mean? Or, or unprofessional or things like that, of course you need to talk to your instructor about it. Um, but you know, there's a big difference between the patient being frustrated that you're checking their name band three, four times a shift or, you know, somebody being unprofessional. So I think just, just realizing that, that there are, a, that there is a big difference there, right? There's, there's a difference on how to deal with those things and just trusting yourself, right? That you're, no, I am competent to be here and I am, I'm doing the very best that I can and I don't know everything and that's okay. Yeah, so, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, and don't so, ever, sorry. No, go ahead. Like, don't ever feel like bad when, because um, I know we just started, like in acute two, we started doing IVs and, and stuff like that. Don't ever feel like it's your, your bad or um, ashamed when a patient declines that they don't want you starting that IV. And now you're missing out on that opportunity as well. Like, 
you know, you run into situations where, you know, people just don't feel comfortable with it. And that's fine. That's their choice, right? Um, you'll have plenty of time to get that experience and other opportunities. And, yeah. I, and I think too, like throughout your nursing experience, you are going to have situations that really challenge you and that really make you think, and you are going to make mistakes. And that's totally okay too. I will tell a very quick story about here. When I was a student, I was in my, I think we call them auras here, but they were OSCEs in, in the school that I went to. And so I was doing my OSCE, which for the first year students is like the first time that you have to know the full head to toe assessment and you have to go in and show your instructors and you quite often don't know what system you're getting in order to like, you know, really mentally prepare to be there. And ironically enough, my career has been in cardiac nursing and the assessment that I had was given was cardiac. Um, and I went through the whole assessment. I did all my all my listening and my questions and my history and my, you know, I was doing the pulses and all that stuff. And at the end, I got to the end of the assessment and I palpated the heart. <laughs> so for those of you in first year that have never done this before, that is completely unnecessary and pointless. And there's no physical way that you can palpate a heart through a rib cage. Um, but I, I had a moment where I could not remember if I was supposed to be doing this. And so I just did it because I'm like, well, what's the worst case? I don't want to miss it. You know, I'd rather do it and not need to do it. And anyways, and the instructor after, like she, she started chuckling almost as soon as I was done the assessment. And she said to me, did you just palpate the heart? <laughs> and I said to her, yes, I did. <laughs> and so I think like, it's okay to laugh at yourself. It's okay to make those mistakes. If you're ever in that situation, hopefully the students that have listened to this, if, if you get the cardiac system, you will not palpate the heart. Um, <laughs> but it happens, right? You just got to laugh at yourself and just, you know, it is what it is. I, like I said, ironically enough, I've spent the last 10 years in cardiac nursing. So I have never palpated the heart after that. <laughs> you know, like it just is what it is. Just go with the flow. Don't take yourself too seriously and... And I mean, try and have some fun with it for Pete's sakes. Like there's a lot of really fun experiences that yeah. you're going to get to have in this program. So, you know, have some fun with it. Be okay taking those opportunities. Now, I know we are coming to the end of our conversation here, but the last thing, and, I, and we've talked a little bit about this in the last 10 minutes or so, but is there any other advice that you would like to give students that are going through the program that are either just starting or um, really struggling with something? Like, is there any advice that you would give uh, now that you're almost at the end? Almost at the end, yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like I fall back on this, but it's very, very valuable. But your group of friends, have them as support, reach out to them, have your study group. You know, you have like three uh, three close friends and get together and quiz each other, help each other out, just like support each other through. I think that's been the biggest thing that has honestly pushed me through this program is knowing that, you know, I have all these wonderful friends and the way that they help, like we all had each other's back was, it's absolutely amazing. Um, and what else? I think that's a really important thing to focus on too in the middle of this pandemic, right? Like we haven't touched much on the pandemic and how that's affected your education, but, um, you know, in terms of having to stay isolated and your classes being online and things like that, just really encouraging those connections, those student to student connections. 
those are your people, right? Those are the, the people that are going through what you're going through and that really fully understand what you're going through. Um, so to really, you know, still make sure that you are making those connections. Clinical groups, I find, have always been a lot um, stronger in terms of connections, right? Because you're working with such a smaller group of people than, say, like a lecture class or whatever the case is. But um, yeah, just just really recognizing that that those those are your people, right? Those are the people that that are experiencing what you're experiencing. Yeah, and another thing too. Oh, I just thought of it and I lost it. Um, oh, what were we talking about? Support. Like the peer. -to -peer oh, I had a good one, Lisa. I was, was, was going to say like the peer to peer support, the making connection, the. Oh yes, okay, and like really, if you're struggling, don't be afraid to reach out. Do not be afraid. Like, honestly, reach out to your instructor. And another thing, too, is if you feel really overwhelmed and, like, you just have so much going on, don't be afraid to ask for an extension mm -hmm. on assignments and stuff. This was something that I really struggled with throughout the whole um, course of the term. But this past, this past term, I had to ask for a couple. And it was probably the best thing that I did. And I don't know why I had so much guilt around asking for an extension because I just feel like, you know, oh, we have deadlines. We should be able to meet them. We had so much time to do this. But the thing is, is that if they're offering you to do extensions, take it if you absolutely need it and don't wait till the last minute. It's not worth the stress. And you'd rather do like if you can have that extra amount of time to get a better grade and put more effort into it instead of just settling with what you're doing and handing in an assignment and then crying about it thinking you failed mm -hmm. um just do it and i think a lot of people are kind of nervous about asking for extensions especially because i feel like the nursing program like i know i kind of put myself at a really high expectation you know we're like, all kind I'm, of overachievers yeah, i feel like in exactly. general <laughs> exactly right and you know just you gotta relax a bit and like you said have fun but like don't take an extension to go have fun sorry <laughs> just if you need it you know mm -hmm. what I mean it's there yeah. and don't be afraid like ask questions ask clarifications yeah. you know get your support your peers to help if you need it maybe a little bit of editing before you hand it in something yeah. if someone's willing to do that for you yeah. you know just really um, know your resources and, and use them yeah. to help you through. I was going to yeah. say, and for, I guess for those, um, early, early program, this does not mean ask for an extension because you party this last weekend and di just didn't feel like writing it. This means, you know, if you're really struggling with something and you are having trouble keeping up or something has come up in your life or in your family or whatever the case is that generally instructors are pretty understanding if if an extension is asked for um, there may be occasions that it's not granted and and that that will be kind of on a case-to-case -case basis but I know I know I bet you a hundred well in my career a hundred percent of the time I have granted the extension um, you know generally it's a really good uh, I shouldn't say a really good reason but it's a really valid reason you know the student will contact me and say wow you know I had some health concerns over the weekend I wasn't able to get this assignment done and I'm like don't worry about it. You know, take the couple extra days, not a problem at all. Um, so generally, like you said, I think, I think that's really important to recognize is that sometimes you just have to reach out and just say, I'm struggling or I need help or whatever the case is. So yeah, the resources are always there. We're happy to help and just don't assume that people know you need help 
if you don't ask for it. Exactly. Well, Tamara, thank you so much for coming to talk to me today. Um, I'm hoping that the the students that are just going to this program are going to, I think you had some great words of wisdom um, in this conversation. And I wish you luck in your preceptorship. Um, And maybe we'll get to talk to you again one day when you're done your preceptorship. And then you could tell us all about that as well. Yes, for sure. I'll see you on Unit 22. I'll see you on Unit 22. Take care. (laughs) 